Good morning. I hope everyone is well. I hope you had a great time this weekend, spending time collecting all kinds of sugar treats with your children. If you do that, if not, I hope you had a wonderful trunk or treat at your church um, or harvest party, however you refer to it. My husband and I, however, did nothing. We enjoyed the peace and quiet and just kind of vegged out for the night, <laughs> um, which was nice. We don't often get to do that. Usually we have a list of things that we're trying to get done as Monday picks up and starts a whole new week for us. But um, last night was kind of nice to get to sit, be done with whatever we needed to do, sit, relax, watch TV, veg out, whatever you want to call it. However, today picks up a whole new list of things. So let me get to this. We are starting with chapter 8, Song of Solomon, the Passion Translation, verse 3. And like I said before, I'm going to break these down a little bit more, not to extend this out so much as to I don't want to miss anything. And I may uh, very well go back through some of them that I feel I just kind of walked through quickly and um, just break it down a little bit more. However, this morning we start off with verse 3, chapter 8, Song of Solomon the Passion Translation. He, his left hand cradles my head while his right hand holds me close. We are at rest in this love. Promise me, brides-to-be, by the gentle gazelles and delicate deer that you would not disturb my love until he is ready to arise. Um, this reminds us of back in chapter two, where he speaks this exact verse over her. And now it has come full circle. Um, we also delve into at the time that his left hand cradles my head while his right hand holds me close. Kind of like how you support a child. Um, and that nearness, that closeness to, to his heart, to hear his heartbeat, the protection that is given us in that position. Um, and then also that the gentle gazelles and delicate deer talk about passion. They refer to passion and strength, um, I believe is what I said before. She has deepened her relationship with him to the extent that she now waits on him. She waits. She has learned to be patient. She has learned to trust him wholeheartedly in this. In Proverbs 3.16, also in the Passion Translation, says, Wisdom extends to you long life in one hand and wealth and promotion in the other. Out of her mouth flows righteousness, and her words release both law and mercy. Speaking of the right hand and the left hand of God, 
and his provisions for his children. The left is God's mercy over us, seeming sometimes dark and mysterious because we do not understand his ways. But his right hand holds us close, protecting, defending, and sheltering us from harm. Those are his provisions. With that, we'll take a quick break. And we're back. One thing I wanted to bring up, can you believe it's already November 1st? This is just the craziest. It seems like this year has just flown by so much more quickly than any other year. And I just, it makes me wonder, you know, how quickly next year is going to go. How, you know, it seems, I don't know if it's the older I get or just it seems the more time that passes, which <laughs> is the older I get. Um, it just seems to fly by that time is just so fleeting anymore. I, I wish I could return to those days where it seemed to take longer. The summer seemed to last longer. The, you know, the holiday season kind of drug by just a little bit, slowed down just a little bit, but it seems so much more um, fast paced in our society today. All right, let's pick up at verse four. This one we break down a little bit more, and she kind of repeats almost the same thing from the verse before. Verse 4, promise me, brides-to-be, by the gazelles and delicate deer, that you'll not disturb my love until he is ready to arise. She repeats it because she wants them to understand that they need to wait on him. Wait for his love. Wait for his provision. You know, once again, she requests that they wait patiently for him to arise, waiting for the gift of his love over her, patiently preparing her for the gift of love. We as women need to understand that God's gift of love to us is genuine. There are no conditions attached to it. I will love you if... There, that is not ever a statement that God makes over or to us. I will love you if you can remain sinless. I will love you if you can keep yourself pure. No, there are no ifs. God loves us regardless. He created us to choose to love him. But even if we don't. He still loves us. He still pursues us. He still tries. He doesn't want anyone to die and go to hell. And hell, really, in all honesty, hell is the complete and total separation from God forever. Like they say in the baseball movie, forever. There is no going back from that. Hell is not a party. It is not with all the, the, the rock stars and, you know, the biggest party forever. Satan would love for you to believe that. And sadly, a lot of people have believed that in their lifetime. You know, one of the worst things that I hear when someone is, is 
angry or is vengeful or is even just being sarcastically ridiculous um, and they're saying goodbye, they say something to the effect of, yeah, I'll see you in hell. Why would you say that? That is nothing to be, to be excited about doing. The separation, complete and total separation of hope, love, life. You will live forever one place or another. The Bible is very clear on that. You have a choice. You will live either in heaven with Christ or hell without him. Um, and I kind of got a little off topic, but I, I just think that's so important that our society just disregards hell. Like it's a big game. It's a big party. We're, we're missing out on if we go to heaven. No, the party's in heaven. The celebration is in heaven, not hell. Okay, let's go back to we as women need to understand that God's love to us is genuine, not like the world gives love. Conditional. His is unconditional. His is, his love is healing, nurturing, empowering, forgiving, and encouraging. It allows growth, discovery, and depth of character. It is also something we have to prepare to receive because, you know, in all honesty, women, ladies, friends, We've been pretty beat up by this point in our life. There's not much life we get into before we start getting really emotionally beat up. I mean, some of us are very lucky and very loved and protected by their parents and or grandparents or whomever. But most of us are not. Most of us have suffered some pretty serious blows before the age of five in our lifetime. So... That's why we have to prepare to receive. It says here, why, you may ask. Your answer will lie in asking yourself these few questions. Number one, do I think I am deserving of love? How do you answer that question? Do you really deep down take a moment, believe that you deserve to be loved. Now, gut reaction will be, well, yeah. However, if you think about it, in those quiet moments, battling loneliness, depression, anxiety, do you really honestly believe you deserve to be loved? Number two, how do I respond to others telling me I love you? This one was a tough one for me. Most of my life, I am learning still to hear those words and accept them at face value. And I get a little emotional because those were broken words. Those were damaged words in my vocabulary from my childhood. The people who would tell me they loved me were, were some of the people who abused me in my childhood. So those were broken words. Those were conditional words. And number three, do I believe it when the Bible says that God loves me? 
And that's an even deeper question. Of course, we're going to get reaction and say, well, yeah, the Bible says it. So, yeah, he, I guess he, if you add I guess in there, you do not know. Plain and simple, point blank. If you say, yeah, I guess so, you do not know that you know that you know. And that's where you need to be on that. And that's what God is trying to prepare us and help us to understand his love is everlasting. His love is unconditional. His love is perfect. Perfect. It is perfection. We can't fully understand here on earth that that phrase perfection we misuse it all day every day just like we misuse love um we sarcastically use great um perfect awesome do you hear the difference <laughs> um we misuse a lot of words because we are so broken and jaded, each one of us. We want so desperately to be loved, so desperately to be accepted for who we are by our peers, by those we can see. And we, we are not. Because they're no, they're no more perfect than we are. They're broken. They're damaged. They're jaded. They're bruised. They're beat up just as we are. And God is the only one who understands. He's the only one who understands. The only one who knows through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit to reach into those broken parts and start to mend them. And I don't know if you've seen the illustration of, I believe it's the Japanese art work of the broken vessels, like a, a bowl or a cup. And what they will do is they will take those broken vessels and they will start to put them back together using and i get emotional because it makes it such a beautiful piece of art at that point using gold to mend and replace the broken and missing pieces and when they are done it is just beyond belief, the beauty in the artwork that, that it becomes. And I've, I've heard a few different people refer to us as God begins to mend our hearts and our lives and, and weave us back together better more whole, we'll never be whole in this world, but more to the direction that he would 
he created us for. And they are just such amazing, amazing artwork at that point. And each and every one of us is artwork from God's hands. We don't see it because our eyes are not adept at seeing the internal beauty, the, the patchwork, the, the woven creations that we are. It's like when you first see them designing tapestry or painting a picture and you kind of look at it and your brain tries, doesn't really know what it's looking at. So it doesn't see the beauty in it. But as you start to see it come together, you start to see the beauty in it. And for us, the only one that can reveal the beauty in each of our lives is God. Yeah, there's some scary, ugly times for most of us. There's some really bad, rough times for most of us. But it's like the song says, there was Jesus. And I get emotional every time I hear that song, there was Jesus. You know, part of the verse says, when the life I had came crashing to the ground, when the friends I had were nowhere to be found. And I forget the phrase after that right now, but it goes into the chorus. There was Jesus. He pursues us our whole life. Each and every one of us, we're all chosen. We're all chosen by him. But the only time that it matters is when we decide to choose him in return. Because he chases each and every creation. His word says that hell was not designed for us. It was designed for Satan and his demons. And then it breaks his heart that any of his creation would choose a separation over love. As you can see, I get pretty passionate about it because I was raised in church. I think my mom told me I was two days old the very first time I was ever taken in church. And the worst part for me was it was people in the church that hurt me the most. 
So it was very hard for me to trust God. These are people of what we would call position or power. And it wasn't just family members. It was people in the church. It was men in the church. It was um, even some women that refused to believe. You know, I was told that I was making it all up for attention. What child would really do that just for attention? So it was hard for me to trust that God loved me because the examples of God that I knew did the most damage. So I ran. I ran for a lot of my life. On occasion, would step back in. And then sure enough, somebody in the church would say or do something that would cause me to, to bolt once again. And I would say, see, God, you don't love me. If you loved me, you'd protect me. Not understanding that I was being protected because I would bolt before anything serious could happen. And in that was... was a protection over my life. I truly believe that even though I ran from church, I ran from the people of the church, I still had conversations with God. They weren't nice conversations. <laughs> But God understood that broken little girl who so desperately wanted to be loved. She was hurt, she was angry. Devastated. But see, because of that, and it's crazy because you would think my heart would be so jaded at this point, but because of that, my heart is so much more tender. To the emotions of people around me. To um, the uh, 
how do you say it, the um, movement of the Holy Spirit. And I might have wanted to do it differently, but given the chance, I'd probably walk this walk all over again. Because where I am now, I am able to help, hopefully help people who are walking through some pretty nasty muck and to give them hope and tell them, don't give up, don't give in. It's worth it. Stay the course. It's worth it. Keep fighting. Keep pushing. Keep reaching out for God. Let's end it here in a minute. It says, to honestly ask yourself these questions and answer them truthfully. Only you are going to know the answers. You, It's between you and God. Don't be afraid of your answers because in your answers, there will be the beginning of healing for your damaged, broken, abandoned, betrayed, and devastated heart. We are conditioned to respond to affirmations of love, even if we do not believe them. God wants us not only to respond, he wants us to be able to truly receive and believe and respond to it by sharing his love with others. I'm going to, let's pray it out today. I know it was a bit more emotional today than usual, and I don't know. Maybe that's where God's wanting, wanting somebody needs to hear this part of my story because they've run for a while. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you take my story and you use it however you see fit. Father, I hope it reaches someone today that needs to know that they are so loved. They are so cherished. They are so desired. They are so chaste. That you, if they really open their eyes, are at every turn. Even when they feel like they can't see you, you are there. Father, surround them with your Holy Spirit. Bless them. Minister to them. Comfort them. Send your people to embrace them and encourage them and lift them up in prayer. I thank you for this chance, Father, to get to hopefully minister to somebody. I thank you for this experience. I thank you for my life. As imperfect, chaotic, crazy, devastating, and broken as it was. To get to see the artwork of your hand. I wouldn't trade it for anything in life. 
I pray, Father, that whoever needs to hear this, hears this. And that they start to see your handiwork in their life, too. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you have a blessed week. I won't apologize for my emotions or my tears because they are real. And that was the one thing that I said, if I did this, I wanted it to be real. <sighs> May you have a blessed, blessed day. May you feel the love of God surrounding you, embracing you, securing you with his left and his right hand. So that when we come back together, you will have stories to share. And I hope someday to hear some of these stories to meet some people who have listened, even if it's only one that they've heard. I love you all and have a blessed, blessed day.